You're listening to the Coach and Joe podcast, conversations on friendship with God. Welcome to the Coach and Joe podcast. My name is Chad Norris, lead pastor here at Bridgeway Church, and I have two friends with me today. You know what's funny about my life with Wendy, my wife? I, I have no idea why. I can't stop meeting British people. It's, it's no bad thing. It is so funny. And every time you talk, I feel so dumb. I, when, and you're Irish. I'm Irish. Who are you? Yeah. Tell me who you are. Tell everybody who you are. So I'm Marjorie. I'm born and brought up in Dublin, 100% Irish. Spent now probably the most of my life or half of my life living in Sheffield, England. That's How'd you get home. to Sheffield? I when I married know. Nick. How, where'd you meet? University? We met through a church there, St. Thomas's Church at the time, so not university. Nick led a mission trip of young adults from that church to my church in Dublin, and the rest was history. Yes. Oh, so you went to Dublin from there? and yeah. We took a team over. So uh, Marjorie was a youth, uh, young adult pastor at the time and uh, was trying to work out how do you build a discipleship culture in a local church. And we had uh, had some experience with that, so we took a team over and... We had late night chats, you know. Yeah, let's talk about these late night late chats. chats. So how how did you know that this young man was interested in you? Was he was he cool about it or did he just... He was so cool, I didn't know initially, but we led another team to Brazil and during that t- time I really felt Holy Spirit say to me, this is the man you'll marry me, uh, that you'll marry. And Nick said, it's a good job you didn't tell me that or we wouldn't be married. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was classic get-together on, on a mission trip. So the, 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 the team that we were leading... Some of them saw it coming, some of them didn't. So we literally held hands for the first time on the plane on the way home, and they were shocked. They, were just like, they kind did of you, came in and did, did a double take. Did you know take. quickly? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, for me, it was quick. It takes me a while. But uh, I get, uh, we were engaged after eight months of being together. So I, I think I prophesied quick for me. a couple of nights ago, I prophesied that your marriage was arranged. Yeah. I, yeah. Let's just go for it right here on something. Let's just talk about this arranged thing. So... I believe in the kingdom. So there's a difference in just being born again. Mm-hmm. Yes. But when you start walking in the kingdom, you actually give up all rights. Yeah. Free will is not really a thing in the kingdom. Jesus in the garden says, Father, please take this cup for me. Before we go into what you guys do in Sheffield at the well, what have you had to die to in your life to get to where you are? What have you had to surrender to? Um, my own agenda. Uh, in fact, my whole Christian walk has been a, has been one of surrender because I'm just a proud guy. You know, I want to do it my own way. Um, and uh, I think that would be the principal thing to say is that my own, uh, it doesn't matter how you see things panning out. They don't go that way. Uh, if you follow Jesus, he pans things out for you. Uh, yeah, that would be my principal thing. When, go ahead. He, he died to everything, I think, along the way. Like, you never wanted to be a church leader. He was the son of a pastor. When we first married, he, he had a vision to kind of change the world and love the poor. And it was not to work for the church. And I knew I had a sense of call to the church. It's with wisdom sometimes you you know when to keep your mouth shut as a wife and let God, just do the rest. And, and it was in the, we were out in South America in the revival out there and Holy Spirit absolutely caught him. And part of the dying was, I'll be willing to do anything, including lead a church. Yeah. One month later, we were invited to lead a church. It's yeah. funny how, yeah. By the way, your accent is better than British accent. Uh-huh, absolutely. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> why, are, 
We we know that resurrection power can only hit something that's dead. Why do so many people fight the idea of surrendering when you have discovered along the way, every time you surrender comes a higher level of power, higher level of intimacy with him? What? Why are we, is it just a flesh thing? Why are we so scared of Luke 9.23? Deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. Uh, you mean apart from the fact that it is dead, yes. uh, which is never attractive. Yes. Um, I think the I think if when you come to a point where you have encountered the Father's love for you uh, in a tangible, real way, which which is what we're all invited to, that's the message. It's one of the messages of the kingdom. Then you can see that it's okay not to win, not to have your own way, because. He's absolutely for you. But until that happens in a person's life, and it's an ongoing process, of course it is, um, then you, 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 we act like orphans. You know, we act like people who need to hoard stuff. We need to hoard our own way. We need to hoard our own agenda, um, what we think God has for us, uh, because we don't really trust that he's really, really good. But when, you, when we, he, he very kindly brings us in to learn those lessons, and that's my story, is that I realise now, I realise I'm a child of God, um, and that means that uh, he's absolutely for me. He will want me to die every so often, and he will want to resurrect what's left. And sometimes he doesn't feel like there's so much left. Um, but it, because I'm a child of God, I've got nothing to lose and nothing to prove. But he only prunes what he deems worthy of explosive growth. That's right. He sometimes pruning feels horrific. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. You made a comment. You said that what I heard you say is, Nick chose in to surrender, yeah. and he said, okay, Father, I didn't want the church, if that's what you want. Nevertheless, I didn't want this cup. Nevertheless, let's go for it. You said a month later? Yeah. What was that journey like? So, well, we returned to the UK after that, and, and actually we were approached to lead two churches. We were about 29 at the time, and we were discerning where God was leading us. And the one we ended up leading uh, the the leader had had a, a, a dream. Two leaders had had a prophetic dream in the night. So we started leading a church, never having been to Vicar College, as they say in the UK, on the back of two people having a prophetic dream. I think most of our walk with God and our ministry life has been extraordinary circumstances like that. I've got a little bit more used to it now, kind of 15 years down the line. Yeah. And um, I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, it's it's the ride of our lives. He definitely has the best. Let's talk about where the ride currently ha- has you. Yeah. So I want to tell a funny story, and I want to redeem a version of a treadmill story to give me back a little a little dignity. She told that story, not me. <laughs> so here's what happens. Through mutual friends, let's see, I go over to minister at a church with Andy and Anne Stone in Sheffield a year and a half ago or so. And when I get in the city, I see a church building, and there was a sign out front that said the well, and I began to prophesy about the well. God had significant plans for the well. Well, I just happened to meet the leader of the well 45 minutes later at a gym. Now, in our country, we have, we have motors to our treadmills. There was no motor on the treadmill. You thought I was about to die because I was, because I didn't know how to run on a treadmill with no motor. Well, when I'm on the treadmill doing whatever I was trying to do, I looked across the room and I saw a man standing there and I just saw in the spirit a brightness around him 
And the father said, you're supposed to know that man. So I said to uh, another local pastor in Sheffield, who is that? He said, it's Nick Allen. He's a pastor of the well. I said, that's the church I just prophesied over. Well, we met, uh, we got to know each other, and then you came over to the States. Mm -hmm. You lead a church in Sheffield that carries very similar DNA to the church that my wife and I lead here. Mm -hmm. So people that listen to this podcast know that we lead Bridgeway Church. We love intimacy with the Father, love covenant with Him. We love helping people walk in friendship with God. Not afraid of the supernatural. Matter of fact, we're not just trying to be open to it. We want to walk. If my life's not supernatural, it can be superficial. We believe in the fire of God. You've helped continue to deposit this week uh, us a passion to continue to push out in terms of the outside of things, outside the wall of the church, which is what we're seeking God for right now. Tell us a little bit about the well, what you do, and what makes you come alive leading this church. So what is it that you do? Well, I think what makes us come most alive is it feels like God is leading this church, not us. I love that. As a pastor, you always want that. You always want to be say that, but never so much has that been the case. I'm going to write this. So we we didn't plan to plant this church as we did, Uh, I think. I shared Sunday, we had a prophetic word about uh, a planting into this building six years before we did. Um, so God had that word. It just shows how sometimes that you wait for things. There was a window and he, he lined it up. You know, the, the amazing people that would be leaders, be team, be ready to go, evangelists, prophets, etc. And there is just something in this. It's a beautiful old building on, on a high street in Britain that was once a real place of his presence and an outpouring of the spirit. We know that powerful things happened there. It it then went through a season of being dormant. It then was really threatened. It was going to be turned into a nightclub or shop. So, um, and we just got to have the beautiful privilege to reopen the well, as it were, dig the ancient wells of the past. Um, Now we, we don't see the vision of the church is just what happens in that building. You you know, we, we are a discipleship culture. It's about every person, every day, everywhere. But there is something about that place. We've never seen it work so well. We're absolutely confident if we can get people over the threshold, they will encounter God. It doesn't matter how far away they are. If they're atheists, no belief in God, come on in and and you'll never be the same again. Can you define threshold? Talk about when your bride says threshold, what do you mean? So we've learned, uh, oh, you mean just what the the word means? No, in the the context of... She says, get people over the threshold. Uh-huh. What was she talking about? What there? we've learned is that, I mean, this is totally counterintuitive to what we were expecting when, yeah. we, when we knew that it was time to plant a church. We were expecting to do it in communities of mission, out in the marketplace or in our homes. And that's how we began. We began with a small, with our oikos, with our small uh, personal friends who we journeyed with and their children. And we said to each other, okay, we'll just reach out. We'll just reach our our people of peace, the people around us who welcome the message of Jesus and welcome us, and we'll see how we can serve them. What surprised us was that this building um, has become part of the story, so that the place itself, it's, it's, there's, God is there. And so as um, we were expecting to do a missional version of church beyond ourselves, and, the, and we do, but the as people cross the threshold, as they literally cross the boundaries into the building, uh, uh, people who've never who wouldn't know how to put words on spirituality, they they just they don't know who God is. They've never read the Bible. This is really common in the UK now. 
in our context, about 98% of people don't attend church and are unchurched. So it's that's how it is. But they are attending your church. Because as they come in, uh, they are hit by something. They, they, they turn around and they go, what is that? What did I just experience? I love that. And so it makes um, evangelism really quite easy because you just say, <laughs> just come on in. I promise you, if you're hungry and thirsty, you will encounter God. I, I Listen, if you're listening to us or watching us, this isn't makeup. There, this isn't fiction. I know that the, the stats show what they show. But the stories you shared the other night when you ministered, God is doing something in extraordinary. extraordinary. Yeah. So I would love for each of you, let's start with you, yeah. and we'll close here. There are a lot of people that listen to us that have a passion to go and start a plant somewhere. Yeah. Let's give one or two practical steps for someone looking to be a part of a journey much like you two have been on. Yeah. Probably not going to be yeah. Sheffield. All contexts are different. But when the presence is somewhere, there's no such thing as a as a place you can't plant. Totally. For, right. for people that are looking to go plant a work somewhere, what's a couple of practical things you would tell them? Well, the reverse side of those stories is we also uh, allow our people to drink at the well, so to speak, and to saturate themselves and then go out onto the streets. So if we had more time, we'd tell you stories of people encountering God outside the building. You know, we're passionate about that as well. In the parks, I saw that happen just a few days ago before I came here. You know, nine people allow us to pray for them, respond to God. In Britain today, you know, people are spiritually hungry. So I love that. What we'd done before going out was to really saturate ourselves in God's presence. Worship is is just key for us in terms of what God is doing. I really, really believe that. Um, And so I would say... Whoever you are, you may not be given an old building with a past like we were given, um, but make prayer and worship the highest priority. Um, because often people start with the plans and what they're going to do for God. God, this is great. This why, is invaluable. Why don't you just start operating from him, you know, sitting in the hot seat um, of who you are in him, uh, from that place of worship and, and prayer. And, and there's no stopping then what will happen. But it's very different to how I used to think. And another wee one I would really say, as we say in Ireland, is have loads of fun on the yeah. journey. We made fun and parties. Food. Food, our priority. We've never stopped having parties. We've seen more people turn to God through the parties than anything yeah. else. Yeah. Father gave my 15-year-old a word of knowledge three years ago. He said, hey, Dad, win people in Greenville through cheeseburgers. Yay. Uh, before I go to Nick for a couple of practical steps, I have never really bought into the stats on European decline in church. I, I don't buy it. I think it's a, I think it's I think it's hogwash. I think when God's with you, it doesn't matter. Perhaps He's not with more leaders in in countries that are dry, including here. I mean, the the stats are showing that it's it's a rapid decline. But why are there so many pockets where it's a rapid incline? Why is the church exploding in China? Why is the church exploding in South America? I think because they do what you just said. If you're if you're presence driven, and prayer driven, and consecration driven, you'll have a church on accident. Uh, he's showing me right now. Just because you lead a church doesn't mean he's leading it. Right. What about one, two? And these are great. I don't know if you have any more, but one, two practical steps for someone looking to plant. I would say have real confidence, just like what you're saying. Uh, have real confidence that people who are hungry. For God, don't always look like people who are hungry for God. 
So uh, we have had uh, guys covered in tattoos. We've had uh, guys from the homosexual community. We've had homeless guys just walk in off the streets. And if they're hungry for God, God wants to meet them because if you tell someone that there's a father in heaven who loves them, it's good news. They will believe you. Yeah. So one of the things that we've just had confidence is just tell people, just get it out there. Have confidence in yourself. That's a particularly European thing. Have confidence in your message and yourself. Um, and it's, it's well, you know what it is. It's fire. It's gold dust, this stuff. The gospel is power. And it will change people's lives. So uh, confidence in the gospel is, is the key uh, to, to planting a new thing, I think. Would you bless people listening to us to speak a blessing, a prayer, that their confidence would grow in Jesus Christ? Yeah, Father, I thank you that we can be confident in you, that you give us new life and you call us your sons and daughters. And so we ask you to grow that confidence in us, Lord, that we will know that we have assignments from you, not just from you, but with you. And you'll teach us to see how do I walk with you? How do I walk with you, Father, in the everyday? And and what does it look like for me to express my God-given call in my own context? I don't, maybe I don't have to lead a church. I just live somewhere. I work somewhere. I know people. So, Lord, I pray that each one of us will know the confidence that we're children of God and that we have something, we carry something that's really, really good news for this world. You'll teach us how to put that into action, into words and into action in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You've been listening to Coach and Joe. For more information and additional content, please visit bridgewaynetwork.org.